I'm really big on ascension journeys. Like what's the customer journey? And then what's the client ascension journey? Are you getting people into group coaching, upselling them to one-on-one? Um, are you just doing one-to-one? That's how my model is. I have six assistant coaches. They all have 40 to 50 clients and we love that model. Like we love it. Welcome back to the Fit CFO Show. I'm your host, Amanda Hanquist, and together with my husband, Sean, we created this podcast as a way to help you reach your business's financial goals. We will break down common financial myths and mistakes in business and share with you the tools and knowledge to take your business to the next level. Our hope is that you'll become financially equipped for success in your business and in turn help our mission to make this world a healthier place. If you get valuable information out of this podcast, We just ask that you please share it with your audience and leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and help health and fitness businesses succeed. Kendall, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you on. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I am so excited to dive in. Um, you know, I was looking at some of your stuff and first of all, like, I love your mission and I love that you work with primarily women, um, in this industry. So little fun fact about me, I actually, um, was in a predominantly male industry for a very long time and started out as a just really young, kind of ignorant, um, quiet, a little shy, And I'm just naturally a little bit introverted, but I um, started an insurance agency and grew it to one of the largest of its kind in our state and did that for about 12 years. But I did it, you know, during a time when it was mostly men and, or started it during that time. And, you know, even like behind my back, a couple of guys were like, ah, she's never going to make it. And I think that's really what helped me kind of almost like give that extra push because I'm like, you know, you're young, you're driven. I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove you wrong, but I just love the the fact of, you know, what you're doing and how you are, you know, one of those amazing women in this industry being a staple and a voice for other female entrepreneurs out there. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. You know, it's, it's one of those things too, where like, I think a lot of people in general, not even just women, but I think they have to take a traditional route. And I always found like a knack for that really young. So, and yeah. somewhere along the way, I decided, you know what, we're going to make it all female based. So yeah, I yeah. love that. It makes, you know, it makes it a lot easier. It's kind of like with fit CFO, how we only work with health and fitness professionals. Like it just, we just know our people. We know exactly who to talk to you, what to say. I mean, yeah, there's been times where I've had like a hairstylist or, you know, somebody else come to me and say, Hey, can you work with me? Can you help me on my business? And I'm, I'm like, sorry, no, like, no, I can't. Like, I don't know what KPI should be for a hair salon. Right. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. So there's definitely power in your niche for sure. Uh, Yeah. It's it's funny you mentioned this too. It's like, we just had our first ever um, business coaching retreat last weekend and thank you. Thanks. And I, you know, it's funny, like I, I'm not really one of those people who like dissects the whole like masculine feminine side of business, but like assigns the roles or whatever. But one of the things that overarching was like a theme for us this weekend was we're all a bunch of bro girls or like girls who thought that we couldn't fit in with other girls. And I was like, what happens when you just get a bunch of bro girls together? We just, Oh my gosh. I feel like I belong in that group. (laughs) It was the best. I was like, we we were all like, okay, we feel so seen. Like I get it now. So yeah, Yeah, I love it. And especially like, 
in the health and fitness space, like we were probably, I would imagine like the first women on the weight side of the gym, you know what I mean? And I know I definitely was where, where we're at and now it's just, it's a totally different world over there. And I love it. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. I love seeing it. (laughs) Well, one of the things that you talk a lot about is content creation. And that's definitely something that I've personally struggled with, especially with my shift in, you know, from, um, doing the nutrition coaching to now working with nutrition coaches, that shift has been a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. I gained my initial following from obviously being a nutrition coach and competing right. in that whole world and then transitioning. That was a challenge for me, but you do it so well. So <laughs> I, I know that you talk a lot about, um, you know, that content creation, it's like the beginning of the cell. And I love that you bring that up because without that beginning part, we don't necessarily have a business. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I just want to talk about like, you know, the ideal, uh, client that we're talking to versus, cause I, I feel, I feel this where we're like worried about what our peers are going to think. Do I sound smart enough? You know, and then remembering and bringing it back. Like we're not talking to our fellow nutrition coaches. We're talking to our client. Right. right. So yeah. like, I guess what, um, was the eye opener on that for you? Yeah. I mean, like just to give a little bit of my background, um, for like anyone listening to is I started off when I was 18. I mean, I started my Instagram when I was 14, which is crazy to think yeah, about. I saw like 2012. I was like, Oh wow. That was like yeah, the beginning. Yeah. beginning. I was like, an I think I had a picture person. of like a chocolate chip cookie up in 2012 oh, or something. <laughs> I love scrolling all the way back. I just like have to laugh at myself. You know, it's, it's, it's cute. It's cute, but I'm, yeah. I'm grateful that I, you know, I didn't really belong anywhere. I felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. And like my easiest thing to do, especially because I was really struggling with an eating disorder when I first got started, like that's where my fitness journey, unfortunately, you know, started off. And I turned to social media because I felt like, okay, this is a one place where I can at least find a community of people, which isn't the most healthy, I would say, you know, finding someone in the, in the same situation, but I felt more seen than ever. And so I always got off with content in a very organic way where it was like, Instagram was my diary and no one knew about it in my life or anything like that. And I've always tried to kind of carry that with me, um, to the extent where like, obviously there's some personal things you leave out. Right. But right. You know, I started in the fitness space and I grew a massive following through fitness. And, um, I always had a really big love for the content creation aspect. Cause it just was my life. It didn't really feel like I was creating content. It just kind of felt like I was showcasing and almost like journaling a little bit of, of my yeah. life. And yeah. Like so empowering in, in itself, you know, anyways too. Yeah. And, and I'll say is like, after being in the fitness space for about, I mean, it was about three years of having my own fitness business when people started, you know, wondering like, Hey, how are you doing that? I was hitting multiple six figure years at age 19, which is crazy to think about looking back. And, um, a lot of people were asking me how I was doing it. And it's kind of funny. I didn't even have mentorship the first two years of my business. So I just had to kind of like figure it out for myself. Um, and that was what kind of spiraled into me eventually starting with, um, business coaching. And it started off more as like the content side and figuring out vision and just the small, small things that, you know, you have to start off with when you first start a business. But I decided, um, about, it's been like six months now to fully go all in on the pivot of moving to business coaching. And it was such an identity shock for me, if I'm being honest, um, you know, it was like not knowing what to post because you felt like almost inorganic at the beginning. You know, it was less of like not knowing what to post and it was more of an oscillation of like judgment. And, you know, I tell people this as a coach who helps other people create content. I think it's really important to be 
honest about my own experience with this because back in, it was like November of last year, I was still posting all fitness content for the most part. And I still was doing awesome on the business coaching side. And we were able to like upkeep both companies and and we still have both to this day. Um, But I decided, you know, like my big purpose is like really prioritizing um, wealth and entrepreneurship. And that was really what I felt more passionate to speak about. And so I pivoted my content Mind you, I also lost 20,000 followers in the past yeah. six months. People yeah, are like, I remember you saying that on a lot on a previous podcast thinking, I mean, I wouldn't have known that, right? Like most people probably don't know that, but you do. Right. right. And that's the thing is like noticeably in the business, has it changed anything? It's only been for the better. Um, you know, it's really only been for the better. And well, I think it leaned out the people that you weren't aligning your new vision with. Yeah. And, and, you know, what's really cool is, um, I have an awesome team of coaches on the fitness side and we're still, I'm still producing content specifically over on our community. I'm still pretty involved, at least with the content production on that side and overseeing the team. Um, and it makes me a better business coach, you know, more than anything. And when I really made the pivot with content, I think what became really easy for me was, okay, how can I still keep that like zest and love that I had for content, but how can I create it in a way that just creates conversation? And, that's always been my motto when it comes to content is, you know, there's always the next trend. There's always the catchy thing to be doing, but at the end of the day, like I'm going to work with somebody, if I'm going to help somebody, like, I want them to know that I'm a goofball. I'm not like a normal business coach. I like to have fun. And I think that if you, if you're always trying to keep up, you're always going to feel like you're a step behind. And I think that's been one thing that I've had to realize is it's like, I don't have $75,000 a month like Alex Hermosi does to, <laughs> to spend on my content. Right. And so we're not going to have, you know, amazing, but like, like you said, do, do with what you can. And, yeah. and I love that. And that's what I was going to ask. What are like some of like three of the golden nuggets that you would give people out there that are, um, you know, like, ah, I just can't get this content thing down. Yeah. So my first, like my first thing always, when it comes to content is, understand, and this is such a cliche thing to say, it's understanding your ideal avatar and your client, but there's, there's a bigger piece to this. And I think a lot of people miss this part is, um, a lot of coaches, especially nutrition coaches, this is something I find is like, even for myself, I used to be a macro tracker. I used to compete, you know, I was like all in on the fitness side of things. Things have definitely changed. Like I take a little more of a holistic approach and not tracking anymore, but I understand that my ideal client, like that's a tool for them. And I'm still willing to have the conversation and talk about the misconceptions my ideal client has, even if I no longer resonate. And I think that's something a lot of coaches have a hard time with. Um, And so they'll create content from a place of like, okay, this is congruent for me and I understand it. And so they don't really dig deep enough. Um, And I find that's That's one thing is like, yeah, it's like, I always give this example. Coaches will be like, Hey, here are five tips to hit your protein. But it's like, does your ideal client even know why they need protein? Um, you know, what is the actual misconception for them? Like, are there women out there that are like terrified to eat protein and they think they're going to get super bulky? Is that a better way to posture it? And I think coaches nowadays are looking at, well, what's trending, what's easy to post. And, um, I always have like a reverse engineer on the thought process for content. So it's like, take the five tips for protein, but like reverse engineer what your ideal client actually needs to hear from that. Yeah. Um, Love that. 
Yeah. So that's like the first biggest one. And I know everyone talks about, oh, know your ideal client. I just, I think it goes a little deeper than knowing them. It's, it's understanding their core beliefs. It's understanding the way that they think, um, you know, we're in the science of behavior change. Like as we have to put ourselves in their, sh- in, in like who we were before we crossed the other side, right? Like we're on this, this side of knowing, like we've competed, mm-hmm. we've been in, you know, athletics, athletics, we've tracked our food. We've used my fitness pal. Like we, this is like the other side of things. Like we got to think of ourselves before we knew all that. Why did we ever get into this in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I always tell people it's okay to feel a little bit incongruent sometimes if you've kind of overcome some of the things already and it it doesn't feel as congruent to post them anymore. So that's the first one for sure. My second one is like the biggest one is just say F the rules, like forget the rules around content, because when you put yourself in a box, it is so easy to put judgment on yourself and wonder like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? And energetically it shows up. And I think a lot of people start to add like the shoulds or, well, this person's doing this. And then that comparison sets in. So I like forget the rules. People are like, what's the ratio of like personal to business type content, educational, um, and like, you know, your audience better than anyone. And I always tell people that I was like, just trust that, you know, your audience well enough. Um, and it just feels better. I don't know about you, but like, it feels better for me when I don't have rules and I'm like, oh, I can't post this because it's like a personal thing. And, you know, um, I well, just kind of like, I feel like you're not always like changing the plan and changing your mind. Like if you just put your blinders on and stick with your process, mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot more consistency too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, kind of bouncing off of this one too, like a really big part of this is my one thing I will say that I don't say is like a rule, but something that I like to at least mix in when it does come to content is I talk about like low vibe versus high vibe marketing. Um, I found, and this happens to a lot of coaches, um, people, when they create content, if you are working on educational, it's easy to get stuck in those how-tos. So kind of like the, what I talked about earlier with five tips for protein, or here's how to progressively overload, like every other coach is talking about, um, is, you know, when you're doing, when you're marketing, because as a coach, like you have to be a good marketer. I think a lot of people miss the mark on that. You know, it's important to be a really good coach. Um, and I think when you actually understand marketing and sales better, you understand psychology better, which also makes you a better coach. Um, but I think another thing with that is there are a lot of coaches that struggle with compliancy with clients, or there are a lot of coaches who are like, Hey, how do I avoid the cancel refund? Or, you know, all these other things that might come up with clients. And it all starts with the way that you are posturing yourself. And I find that if you're consistently painstaking people with pain points in your content, they're like, I don't most, I hate saying this word, but it's, it's just the word that comes up for me is like almost from a place of victimhood is like the only reason. Yeah. It's like the only reason they're motivated is because they're in pain. And sometimes it works, but if you're always doing that with content, yeah, you can expect to bring people in who are just consistently sick of their situation, but also kind of in that mindset of like, fix it for me instead right. of them actually right. wanting to work for themselves and create that autonomy. Right. Like stuff, like you're never going to get where you want to be if you keep doing this. Yeah. 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 A little yeah. bit low vibe, you know, when it comes right. to the marketing side. Yeah. So that's that you bring that up the high and the low vibe. I love yeah. that. Yeah. It's just like, that's been a big one for me this year is realizing the more that I spoke to my audience, like they were intelligent. The more I spoke to them as if they were go-getters, they were convicted. They were women who wanted to make a change in the world. Like I started to attract women who were like, all right, sign me up. I'm ready to go. I want to make a change in the world. And, and also just really high vibe 
humans, you know, that's, and that's, if you're, what you're that. looking for as a coach. Yeah. I think it's a really big part of, of the, the content piece, you know, it's so easy to get wrapped up in a bunch of coaches, business coaches will talk about pain points. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, are there are certain pleasure points that your ideal clients also craving outside of just the pain point. So those uh-huh. are like my, my golden three. I love that. That is so powerful. And when you said like that high vibe started, I guess, um, bringing say the similar energy to you, I mean, that's powerful, you know, and, and speaking of that, this kind of moves into, I guess the next topic that I wanted to discuss about, you know, removing, um, masks, like being authentically you, like I am turning 40 tomorrow and (laughs) yes, (laughs) <laughs> I was like, wow, you're, you're that old, <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things where I could be like, oh my gosh, I'm getting so old and I'm working with all these super young people, but man, like, I love it. Like, like it is empowering to have gone through these years to have this wisdom, this knowledge, these years, I don't know everything. And I think that as we get older, we realize how much less we know (laughs) about stuff, but then we also really become okay with removing that mask and really becoming authentic with who we are. And you are much younger than I am, but I think it is so cool that that is such a huge part of what you do because in my era, um, you know, we wore the mask, right? We, we covered it up. We were tough girls working in a man's world, trying to prove who we were. And we, I guess, got through our days wearing a mask. And so uncovering that takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Like, how can you, first of all, tell when somebody is wearing that mask and what is life like once that's removed and what are some things they can do to start getting there? Oof, this is such a good question. This is such a good question. Um, I'm such a people person. I think like one of my superpowers is um, like I'm obsessed with human behavior. It's just been like an obsession of mine. And I think one of my gifts is kind of seeing the potential in people, but like truly seeing it in people where like I can kind of see when it's not there or they're kind of like uh, living into the people pleaser. And, you know, especially for coaches or anyone in a service-based industry, it's easy to be an empath. Like in fact, you, you need a level of empathy to succeed, right. To, to really help your clients and, and to be a service provider. Um, but I think, you know, there was this expectation. I actually just made a post about this today, kind of like an expectation of like what things should look like. I think, especially in the coaching space as of, especially the last year and a half or so, I've really seen that to the point where I've actually fallen into the comparison trap. And it was never really an issue for me until probably like COVID when I was consuming more, just like consuming more content overall. Um, I think when it comes to authenticity, there's kind of this, this story where people can say like, oh, I'm showing up as my most authentic self, but like, who am I? And I think, you know, the younger generation, like I see a lot of Gen Zers and millennials and they'll talk about, I'm really lost. I feel like I'm super lost. I don't know who I am. And it becomes this almost like story and an identity that we just buy into of like, I don't know who I am. And so I find it's not even like a mask as much that I see for people anymore. It's like this lostness. And it's like, you can kind of see people like looking around, like, what, like, who am I? What do I do? Where do I go? And what I really found is it's really shutting out a lot of the noise. And I'll say like, I got really lucky at a young age. It sounds weird saying lucky, but like having an eating disorder because I protected myself from everybody. I isolated myself from age 14 to 18. Um, And so I didn't have that judgment as much, I think, as other like adolescents do. And I created my own identity at a really young age. 
and I'm weird. <laughs> I know that. So, you know, it's just like goofy and weird. And I find the more I meet, I don't know about you too, Amanda, but it's like the more I meet entrepreneurs, I'm like, you are weird. You're all You're weird like me. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are the, and it's like the higher of income you go up, like the weirder people are. And I'm yeah, just like, yeah. it's awesome. I love it. You know, I love it so much. <laughs> I love it. And I think, um, removing the mask requires people to really tap into their own um, just like intuition, you know, like we're all really intuitive beings if we just let ourselves be. And I'm a really objective person. Like I'm very logical. I'm actually very left brained. Um, but at the same time, I think the more we actually just ask ourselves questions and stop seeking outward validation, that's when you truly start to feel the authenticity, you know, um, not looking at engagement or likes or follows, or does this person like this? It's like, what do I like to do? Yes. I love that. And that took me a while to come to terms with, um, man, and we don't figure that out right away, you know? And I mean, there's, there's people younger, older, whatever, that still haven't figured that out. But like you said, cutting out the noise, whatever that looks like. I know some people like to sit in solitude. Some people like to journal. Some people like to go for, you know, a run without any music or anything, um, whatever that looks like for them. And, and that really allows that noise to kind of break away. Um, what are some of those things that you, um, I guess in your program or your academy that you, I guess, really preach to be able to, I guess, take that mask off and, and become your authentic self. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of self-mastery work and I've worked with so many different mentors in, um, like the mindset realm. And I'm really big on like principle-based, um, mindset education. So like world of therapy mixed with like optimization, right? Um, yeah. I think there's like so many resources out there nowadays. And what I've found is I created principles for my life. It's very, um, it's very like, I don't know if you know Ray Dalio or if you've ever like really read about principles, but he has a book called principles. And um, I think as a woman, I kind of asked myself, like, how do I want to show up in the world? And actually a lot of it came down to like, what's the relationship I want to attract? What is the group of friends? Like, what are the group of friends I want to attract? Um, and how do I want to show up for them? Like, what are the things I value? And so a lot of what we teach inside the Academy is getting really clear on one, like the vision you have for both your life and your business, but also like, how do you want to show up in the world as a woman? And we create principles because it's really easy to oscillate, right? It's so easy to oscillate back and forth. And I always call them resolutions. We like create these resolutions that keep us stuck or keep us identifying or seeking validation from other people. It's like when you have almost like this playbook for your life and it's very like straightforward, right? I'm I'm one of those people who's not really has to feel this way and it has to be this like big thing. It's like, can you, can you make it really simple? Like, I just love simplifying things. And so when you have a set of principles and you're like, no, I'm an integrity-based woman. Like that's who I am. That's how I show up in the world. And therefore I will make my decisions based off of integrity. And I think it takes out all that decision fatigue of like, wait, am I showing up right? Or am I showing up wrong? No, I know that I have principles to be with an integrity. Like that's how I'm going to show up. So it's very principle-based. And I know not a lot of people, it's not like the sexy, like amazing thing that I think a lot of people speak about when it comes to mindset work, but I've just found for me, it's almost like a fallback where I'm like, okay, I know I'm showing up as myself because I created these, this playbook for my life. That's helped me become this woman. So we do a lot of self mastery work. Um, we do a lot of visionary work and ritual work. So like creating rituals that actually help you reform your habits and keep up with those, 
those principles so that you can more human sometimes we fall off it happens you know um like I hit snooze sometimes you know it happens every once in a while but absolutely um, yeah so yeah very very principle based I love that because I feel like um it's just like anything if it's simple it's doable if it's black and white yes or no it makes decision making so much easier like I mean even like when um, you know, you're working with your nutrition clients, like, do they need to have a dry month to get away from drinking wine every single night? It turns that decision-making into yes or no, I am not drinking wine right now or whatever that looks like for them. I mean, it's, it's very similar, um, in the form of simplicity. It's not sexy. It's not, I mean, it's the same thing in finance, right? Like do the simple things, do the easy (laughs) things, do the little things. Don't do the big overnight groundbreaking things, right? Otherwise we can't stick to it. And usually if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tell, I work with a lot of women who are super young, like right around my age, they're 18 to like 26, 27 is usually where we cap off. We have some women who are a little bit above that age. And I'm like, I'll just like speak to them. And sometimes I feel like I'm like an ancient grandma or something. It's hilarious, but we were talking about baby grandma earlier. (laughs) I like, I'll, I'll turn and be like, yo, we are so young. Like, it's okay. If we don't have all of it figured out, like we're still finding out new things about ourselves every day. We're also evolving every single day. So I think it's just being able to visualize like, what is the person you want to step into? What's the life you want to create for yourself? Um, And it's also fluid. I tell people that all the time we're in as individuals fluid, Um, you know, like, obviously we don't want to have 19 different personalities, but at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, if it's that time of the month, it might happen for some of my girls out there, my guys, you know, watch out for your ladies. But, um, you know, I think that's, I think that's the thing is we're going to keep evolving, especially as an entrepreneur, I call entrepreneurship on, um, it's, it's just basically personal development with a paycheck because as we elevate and evolve, we get to help more people. And just accepting that we don't have to be perfect right now, you know, so 100%. And I think that uh, that aligns in so many different ways that allows us to be more authentic. It allows us to not compare. And then was it on, I don't remember what it was on, but I remember you talking about comparing ourselves to the best version of ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think that's so like, if anybody out there has ever been a competitor or, you know, whatever that looks like, especially like when we're a competitive, like we're firing on all cylinders for a short period of time. Right. And, and that's not feasible to live that way all the time, but if we're comparing our everyday life to that life, we're going to be disappointed. And so even comparing yourself to your own best version can sometimes be daunting. Yeah. I mean, I, I just talked, I think it was just today I posted this is it's, it's, it's like that thing of being like, okay, here's my future self and who I want to grow into. And it's like almost comparing yourself and feeling like you always have to be perfect. I find that if anyone's listening and you're having a hard time taking action, I used to take really fast action. I took it blindly. Like I straight up dropped out of college and three days later moved to California at age 18 with like no money. Um, I still think back and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I was more conscious, I don't think I would have made that decision, but I'm super grateful. I wasn't at the time. Cause I just took all the blind action. But if anyone listening is just like struggling to take action and just ask yourself how much you're judging yourself or comparing yourself to either like previous version or even the future version of yourself. Cause yeah. sometimes we feel like we need perfect conditions to take action. And sometimes most of the time, 
that's never going to be the, it's not going to be the case, you know? Right. I like how you said, like, you can't take blind action, but don't get caught up in waiting for perfect circumstances. Because I think there's a, there's definitely a difference between, cause I'm definitely someone that likes to, you know, build the plane while I'm flying it, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go and, you know, throw away like a, a perfectly, I don't know, you know, go into it blind, not knowing at all what I'm doing. Like you got to have some kind of methodology to it. Yeah. I think especially like, I'm, I'm sure you being in the finance world too, it's the further you get into business, like you want to have calculated, almost like calculated risk, um, where you do look at the data and you look, I'm a very data driven person. Like I do plan things based off of data. Um, I think there's a good mix between, you know, having both a little bit of like that, that action where you're like, I just need to do this. Cause it's, I'm, I feel it. And like, it's the perfect time to do it. And then there's also that, like, well, let's also look at KPIs right. and let's look at quarterly this yeah. a little bit. Yes. Or, yeah. or, and I feel like you like got into my notes or something because like, this is another perfect segue into my next topic, but, um, literally talking about building wealth and, you know, I love that you, you literally started off for me. So that was a perfect segue, but you know, that is such a huge part of what you preach. And that's what really attracted me to have you on the podcast. Cause clearly we, we want to help entrepreneurs build wealth specifically in this health and fitness industry. And it's, and I think it's something that's more of a sexy topic versus a, um, systemized, you know, approach of like, okay, how can we structure this? How can we actually create simple action to move things forward. Um, and again, it goes back to not being the the sexy way, not being the, the thing, but if you have all of the line items checked off, if you're looking at the data, if you know that, okay, I'm going to hire an AC or I'm going to hire somebody to help me with content. And you know, like you're looking at the data to confirm that you're going to sleep a lot better at night, knowing that crap, do I pay my rent or do I hire an AC? Like, what do I do? <laughs> right. There's so, there's so much of this in this space. And I've only recently started talking about it. And I know it's not something that necessarily I advise on, right. That's totally out of my scope of practice. That's where you guys come in. Um, but I think as a business owner, we have a level of responsibility to know our profit and loss every single month. And I just don't see a lot of coaches who do this and they'll have, so I call myself like the business recovery coach for a lot of like my mastermind students, they kind of come to me and not that they've had really ill experiences. It's just that they come to me and they're like, Hey, I'm making $27,000 and I'm $2,000 in the red. And I'm like, right. Is that from personal? Is that from business? Like how much are you spending in both? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, so let's go back to the drawing board and let's like at least get a, an intake of the business and see, you know, do you have there? It's really glorified to have like huge teams. I totally made this mistake. Um, I had a massive I team. I absolutely did too. Yeah. I had a massive team. I dispersed um, roles between multiple people. It was just, it's very like overhyped um, like team structure. And it really, it really hurt my business and hurt my, my own personal wealth too. And I think it was about like two and a half years ago now where I really had to kick myself and be like, okay, is this the most optimal way? And it's hard when there are humans involved. Right. Um, it's a lot harder, um, especially for women in business. Like I find for us, it's maybe a little bit harder when we're people person. You know, well, you know. yeah. And we're like nurturers, right? Like we want to well, you know, right. help people be able to provide and we want to nurture and, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I just find that happening a lot in 
the space. And I think, you know, we have these coaches, I've coached some people making upwards of a hundred thousand dollars a month and their take home is like next to nothing. And, um, you know, there's a level of responsibility, especially the first five years of your business, like pour pour money back into it, you know, but, um, do it in a way that's really calculated. And I don't think enough people do that from, from the get-go. I think that's, that's an amazing point you bring up. And I, and that's again, why I reached out to you and, and was so excited to have you on here because you are preaching that. Um, it's almost like boring when it comes for me, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because we're the, the boring finance side of things. We do the technical work, you know, um, we put the numbers out there, but if somebody like you, who also helps them create the revenue, who also you know, helps them create the content and make the sales and all of those things too. If you can be on the same team as a company like us that says, Hey, you know, what is the fun in it? If you are constantly climbing this ladder to get out of the hole every single month, you are going to end up burnt out and in a position. And you just talked about this not too long ago, needing to find the zest in your business again. Right. And and like, you'll never be able to step away. And and like you, we've worked with so many entrepreneurs who make tons of great revenue, but realizing now that it's not all about revenue anymore. It's, it's about profit, what's left over, what we can do with our businesses from there. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, a big part of this is um, just like solely like incompetence. And I think that I, I say that in a really light way, it, it's, it's not our fault. Like it's really not our fault at first, because when I started business, I was 18. Um, you know, I also got myself in some pretty crappy investment situations early. I don't regret them. They were great lessons for me. Um, and you know, what happens I think is with coaches, it's really easy to become anxiously attached to the business to where it almost puts this like frantic energy around money if you aren't bringing in a lot. And then it it's like you said, Amanda, it's just going towards that. You lose the zest for coaching. Cause you're so hyper fixated on signing people and making sales. And like, I'm not one of those people who really talks about the whole like woo side of business, but like that energy shows and it's really apparent. It's they really apparent. your burnout big time. Yeah. It's like, even just people not taking care of themselves coaches like working till 10 PM every single day, not taking a single day off. Um, and you know, that's not what wealth is like, that's not what wealthy looks like, you know? Um, I would say wealth is what you have when you have no money left. Like, did you build the skills to be resourceful? Um, and do you have freedom so that the wealth you have built makes not only an impact, but you can spend that how you, how you please, you know? Um, And I love what you said about how you have made mistakes early on, but you don't regret those mistakes. I think, I think that too, is it's like finance is vulnerable, right? And it's, it's kind of like, um, I mean, it's kind of like our nutrition clients that really don't want to share the fact that they are binge eating in their closet at midnight and they don't want to tell you that, right? Um, it's hard to be vulnerable with the whole picture of things, but also know that it's never too late to get there. You know, I mean, it literally takes day one of reaching out, figuring out what you need to do, starting very simple. You know, we talk a lot about the the profit first model and having, you know, for the early entrepreneurs, having the three main um, bank accounts. And I don't want to get too, too technical here, but, um, you know, we have a lot of people like, there's no way I could put money into a profit account right now. And, and I, you know, I, I just, I'm like, put $10 in it, 
a month, like start a habit. What do you tell your clients to do when they don't drink enough water or they are not eating 130 grams of protein? We're going to start with 80 grams of protein. And then we're going to start with hundred grams of protein, right? We're going to do these things little by little until we get to our goal. Um, and so I think that's kind of a misconception is it's like people want to pretend like they have it all together because they feel like, I don't want to tell anybody my screw up because I'm, I'm in here with a bunch of rock stars, you know, and, and if we, re- if people wore their number on their sleeve of their profit, it would be a scary thing. I think. Oh, I would kill for that. I think that yeah. would make the space like wake up a little bit, you know? Yeah. So, and I think just people having transparency is important. You know, I understand why fitness coaches wouldn't want to necessarily put that out there, but even amongst having conversations with other coaches, like you never know how that could actually breed a growth opportunity when you're more transparent. There were definitely times when I was younger where I for sure lied about my numbers and, um, you know, it's an ego thing. Like I didn't want people to think certain things about me, you know, like, oh, am I struggling? I'm a business coach. And it's funny. It's like the minute you start talking about it, people are like, wait, I same, I feel that. And it's like, now you can get the right support, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I noticed earlier, you talked about having a huge team, um, you know, and, and I've definitely been, been there too. And I've been on, um, you know, presentations and, and calls where I've, I've talked about finance and, and people have these massive teams and they may only have like a couple hundred clients too, you know, and it's like, where, where do you, I guess, what is your viewpoint on hiring team members? When do you like to see that being done? Because I love hearing from, uh, you know, I know from a financial perspective, what makes sense to forecast out what makes sense from a profit margin standpoint from a business coach. though, I want to hear like your take on that. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I do a lot of consulting. Uh, my accelerator program is for coaches to hit their first five to 10 K month. And then mastermind level is all business consulting. And I'm truly in the weeds of, of, I'm almost like an assisted operator for my clients. Um, and that's why we keep our group pretty small. And I take a very one-to-one approach on all my clients' businesses. So we're doing like an overhaul on their entire inventory. Like, do you have legal support? What do your applications look like? How many team members do you have? And the reason I started doing this was because so many people were coming in with the profit margins, just being like 10%, 20%. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. And so, and I also realized there's a lot of like the legal aspect of things people aren't covering themselves with or the financial aspect or even leadership development and their, the turnover rate for the teams when the teams are that bigger. So, so huge, you know, um, and there's no culture and and that doesn't feel good. Cause I'll tell you just my perspective on this. Like I personally believe I became an entrepreneur because I wanted to build my own family and have that sense of belonging, like in my team and in my client team. And, um, and that was always kind of the approach. And I realized those are a lot of the clients we work with too. And so when they come in, they have these huge teams, but they're also not really connected to them or they're paying out so much that they're not even taking home for themselves. And so my approach is, is a little bit different in the sense that there are definitely a lot of programs out there that um, I think are incredible because they are kind of like almost a one size fits all. It's like, hey, if you want to build your business this way and hire out this amount of people and stack the assistant coaching rosters and, and have one offer and you can go do that. And I wanted to take a little bit of a different approach when it came to scaling fitness coaching companies. And, you know, we, we mainly work at say like 95% of our clients are fitness coaches and um, with the consulting, it's like, what's your actual vision? Because I don't want my clients building a business model that they hate because a lot of people have done that. They've built this business model with a bunch of assistant coaches 
that are sparse across and they have have four or five clients each. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, they're not making a full time. So they're not giving a full time effort. They don't see the vision because they're not being handed clients, but they also don't really know how to be generating their own leads. And so my take is this, like, I think there are really two ways to build specifically a fitness coaching company. And if someone has a different way that they think is going to work, I'm like, bring it to me because that's what I do. I love compartmentalizing visions and making them come to life. Um, It's really outsourcing a lot of the operational work. If you really love coaching, I do recommend like stack your roster, hit your first 10K month with maybe you and a messenger VA or like you and an operating VA. Have an operating VA come in that sees the potential of the company that you could see working with you down the line. I did that. And my operator is just like an absolute phenom. Like she actually started as an assistant coach. She's a registered dietitian. I don't know what they do to RDs in school, but she is just like the most (laughs) incredible like worker I've ever met. Yeah. Um, I think there's, you know, that approach where you stack your own roster, you take home the profits and you maybe bring in someone to offload systems and ops um, and then maybe messaging. And then it's like, okay, do you want to do more of a group approach? Um, There's challenging group approach where you can have an Ascension journey. And I'm really big on Ascension journeys. Like what's the customer journey? And then what's the client Ascension journey? Are you getting people into group coaching, upselling them to -to one-on-one? Are you just doing one-to-one? That's how my model is. I have six assistant coaches. They all have 40 to 50 clients. And we love that model. Like we love it. Um, really well. Um, but you know, I've seen kind of those two different approaches where people come in and they do more one-to-many and they have an operating staff or they come in and they have, you know, a bunch of assistant coaches that they're making sure they have a good price range. Um, and then they're offloading some of the ops and they're staying in sales as long as they can. Like right. my biggest recommendation is like stay in sales for fitness as long as you can. Um, because that can really hurt the margins once you start bringing in people on the sales team. Yeah. So and I love the comparison between the two and not, not one is perfect for everyone, right? Everybody has their own um, thing that's going to work for them. Um, we definitely agree with you on, you know, you've really got to figure out what do you, what do you want out of your business? What do you need to take home? Because there are a lot of situations where maybe um, the coaching side is not their bread and butter that they need to take home and pay their bills with. Maybe yeah. they can have you know, the CEO approach where they're the CEO of their business and they're having assistant coaches take care of their, I'm like moving my hands, like people here, no, right? um, <laughs> but then, um, I agree with you. Like if you, if this is your take home, this is your bread and butter. I completely agree with you because the minute you start hiring assistant coaches that comes out of your fulfillment money and that hurts your profit margin from right. the beginning. Whereas if you are, you know, and most of the time clients are coming to work with you. They're not coming to work with your assistant coach. And that is what it is, no matter how much you hype that person up, um, you know, and then you can really have a good profit margin by hiring an assistant. That's not coming off of your variable costs, right? Your assistant's doing things that are, I don't want to say lower end, but just the stuff that takes time, right? It's, it's not the stuff that it's the stuff that anybody can kind of do. Right. And so why, why should you spend your time doing that when you can spend your time working with your clients? Yeah. It's also like an energetic thing too. You know, I've definitely met a lot of coaches who get into coaching and they get into building a business and they realize like, wait, hold on. I actually really love the business building side of this. And I think a lot of people must see fitness as the vehicle. And I think I realized that for myself too, is like, I'm obsessed with building businesses and honestly, just entrepreneurship in general. Um, 
And that's why I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to figure out how to run the fitness business while I full swing into business coaching. And, um, I think that is a stepping stone for a lot of coaches. I will say there's a lot of people stepping into the business coaching space really early on in their fitness business. That's something I see happen. Just if anyone's like listening and you have that inkling, my biggest recommendation is like, I'm so happy that I did not give up my fitness coaching company, regardless of like the 10 mentors who were like, you should stop fitness coaching. Like, I'm so happy I didn't because I'm always learning. I'm always innovating. And um, it's only made me like a better both fitness and business coach. So there are ways, you know, and I I challenged all the ideas. I challenged all of them. Like people were like, you can't do it. And I was like, watch me. Yeah. I, I love that though, because you are a prime example of being able to build out that more CEO model, right? You're working on the business, not in the business and that's to each their own and you kind of choose, but I feel like you can't necessarily, um, be the CEO of your business without the foundation built. Like you said, having the sales process, having, you know, a systemized approach, having, you know, you got to have X, Y, Z put into place before you can step out and, and be that CEO role. And until you've been in each seat, it's hard to know how to do that. Yeah. And if I can just give my biggest recommendation for like what to have in place, regardless if you take the CEO route or whether you take more of like, you want to stay in the coaching route is like have standard operating procedures in place for onboarding, for offboarding clients, for retention. Cause I see retention and everybody listening, retention is the key to scaling your business period is the key it is not new leads. It is literally retention and then new leads. Well, it's easier um, to keep a client than to get a new one. It really is. It really is. Um, and you know, uh, failed payments, canceled payments and SOPs for how you're doing your payment structures. I find that once you offload those things with a system, you don't even need an operator in place. Like you can do all of that in a systemized way where it buys you back more time to focus on the clients. So I think that's perfect. I couldn't agree more. And I am so happy that you came on the show today because there have been so many amazing bombs dropped here and I can't wait to recap and go through this thing and, and put it all together with a a pretty bow, but thank you again for your time today. This was great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Having you on. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you'd share this podcast, your Instagram story, your Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help other health and fitness entrepreneurs out there succeed in business. We so appreciate you listening in and until next time, keep your goals high, but keep each step attainable.